Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday, August 2nd, 2021. And look who's with us today. It's ESPN MLB senior writer Dave Schoenfield. He's going to talk about the Mariners and all things baseball. Kyle Sapi produces, researches, and continues to be our guardian of the galaxy. I'm just Eric. Fantasy Focus Baseball is presented by LinkedIn Jobs. Dave, it's been a long time. I see your hair is short. Mine is not. How are you today? It's been a really long time since I've talked to you. It's good to see you, Eric. I do have, uh, you know, big regrets about never seeing you with the super long hair. Uh, maybe <laughs> Kyle can uh, send me a photo, you know, message it to me. I promise not to post it over the internet. But I also, I have a goal today, and that's to limit our 1980s references. I don't want to alienate our listeners, uh, you know, so we'll try to, you know, keep those to a minimum. Now we're we're leading the show with Randy Lurch facing Bruce Bakhti. Um, I'm wearing my 1929 Philadelphia A's World Series T-shirt for you. Nice. I have a hat like that with the elephant on it, but it's so it's too good. I don't want to wear it like out, like when I'm sitting on my hammock, you know, and and burning up. I'm very dark right now, Dave. Um, so let me ask you a question here. We'll get to the trade deadline. And a little bit later, Dave is going to sing the opening to the closer carousel because that's his role today. Um, but so your Seattle Mariners and my Phillies um, have the two longest droughts of playoff baseball. It's been a really long time. So I ask you this question, Dave, and there may not be an answer here. Who makes the playoffs first between these teams? Or are we still having this sad discussion in five years? <laughs> well, look, your team has a chance this year in that pathetic NL East, right? You made the big move. Kyle Gibson, good first start. You know, uh, my Mariners, meanwhile, trade away their closer, Kendall Graveman. And what happens? They blow games on Saturday and Sunday that they had leads in in the ninth and in the 10th inning. So uh, I would go with the Phillies and it might be 2021. I, it can't be 2021 because they're not <laughs> they're not going to win more games than they lose. So unless the Mets just go on a 10 game losing streak, which I guess is possible, we'll get to Jake DeGrom a little bit later on. And, and by the way, Kyle Gibson as long as nobody hits his ground balls to shortstop or third base, this could work out. But they are probably going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, that was the D, right? He, he goes from Texas, a good pitcher's park, to Philly, bad pitcher's park, bad defense. You know, in this day and age, he's not a big strikeout guy. Uh, but you got to view that first start as a good outing, right? Because his, his last three with Texas have been horrible, you know. So – is he going to be what? What's his ERA? Two eight seven or something before the trade? Um, is he going to do that the last two months? Probably not. But he's. I think he'll be a solid three and a half ERA guy in the National League. I hope so. You know, and now that we have Freddie Galvis and uh, Ronald Torrey has to play short and third, we'll see. I mean, they face Pittsburgh. It's not a yeah. big line. Yeah, that's a good. Point. So, um, so with the trade deadline, and obviously you and and the people around you with the MLB staff wrote a lot of great stuff here, breaking it all down. For our fantasy show here, and it's three days later, and Chris Bryant is rostered in every league, Kyle Gibson as well. Um, but are there any hitters or, or starting pitchers that stand out to you for their statistical prowess getting better or worse? Because that's really what matters to fantasy managers. Is Bryant going to be better? All those Cubs that went somewhere and Trey Turner. Is there anybody that stands out to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, certainly uh, – it's not. It's hard to say Max Scherzer is going to be better, but he's certainly moving to a better defensive team. But he's moving out of 
a bad hitting division into a division that's better hitting. So maybe that's a wash, but you know, I like that he's on a pennant, you know, chasing team with a good defense. And it wouldn't shock me if he has a dominant, you know, two month run, but like you said, he's on everybody's roster. That's, that's, that doesn't really change his value at all. I don't know. I, I mean, Joey Gallo as a hitter, Again, he's rostered anyways. You got to love him at Yankee Stadium with that short porch. I don't know. I'm looking through the trades here. I mean, well, I don't know. know. I think the big question mark is who's going to be the closer for the White Sox. And they haven't really said. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to um, that. You know, I, I agree with you here. I mean, obviously, these guys are rostered anyway. Uh, you know, like, so in fantasy, and by the way, the fantasy trade deadline from ESPN leagues is on August 20th. So we'll obviously be discussing that in the coming weeks. But if you really think Joey Gallo, listeners, is going to get a lot better for home runs, try to trade for him. If you think Javier Baez is not going to get better, you know, then trade him away and things like that. Um, what did I want to say here? Atlanta's new outfield. So in fantasy, in the AL and NL only formats, Dave, the big thing this weekend was players crossing leagues. And the majority of the trades happened to have NL players going to the American League, which made for just crazy bidding in leagues that Tristan and I are in. And in the National League, I had the most money in one league, and I got stuck with Jorge Soler. Very few players moved from the American League to the National League. What do you make of Atlanta's outfield now? Do you think Soler is actually a good guy to invest in in fantasy? Adam Duvall, uh, Soler, and uh, Eddie Rosario, who should be back in a week or two, are there any of these guys that stand out to you as being – do you think Solar can get back to what he was a couple of years ago? He's not even hitting 200 right now. Yeah. I, I like him as a roll of the dice. I don't know what you bid to get him, you know, but he had started to come on, right? He had that streak in KC where he hit seven home runs in nine games or something like that. Yeah. Um, he's obviously moving to a better hitter's park. I guess the question is, is he going to play every day? Right, so they're gonna, are they gonna? How are they gonna rotate Duvall, Solaire, Heredia, and Rosario? You know, and Peterson, Jack Peterson's there too. Yeah, Jack Peterson's there. So I don't know if they're all gonna play every day. Solaire obviously is the weakest defender of those five guys, so he might not be an everyday guy. That would be my only issue. Yeah, I could see that. He batted second yesterday against a lefty, so I th- I found that interesting. And they don't have to play Peterson. So that's also something interesting there. I want to see lineups, of course. I want to see where Trey Turner fits in. Mookie Betts, who, by the way, came off the injury list yesterday and played second base. You and I remember he used to be a second baseman as a prospect. as a great prospect. Um, But do they go Betts, Turner, one, two? Um, That would push Corey Seager down to five, six. That would be an interesting development. That would hurt his fantasy value there. So um, Kyle Schwarber playing first base. You know, Ron Washington says it's not easy. You know, <laughs> what was that movie with uh, Billy Bean? You know the one um, where Scott Hatterberg was going to play first base. That's interesting. Kyle Schwarber at first base, you know? so Yeah, he's, he's working out there. You know, we don't know when he's going to be ready to be activated, but they're going to play him there. You know, they're not going to mess up that outfield that's been pretty productive. So I think it's first base for Kyle Schwarber. I want to circle back to the Dodgers and ask you, if, if there's a big loser in all these trades, is it Cody Bellinger? I don't know what your advice would be with him anyways. I know you and Tristan tend to say you got to stick with your guys, you know, live and die. But, you know, if you're in an AL, NL league, do you, is Cody Bellinger being rostered right now? Do you? 
I don't know how he much is. he's going to play. I, I, I think there's a, a distinct possibility he's in a platoon or he gets sat down. He's still hitting 163. In my yeah. latest rankings update, I moved him out of the top 100. I mean, we're in August, people. I mean, what? We're, it's four months already, and we're going to wait. I mean, if you've got him, I, I don't think you should drop him, but I certainly wouldn't trade for him. You know, put him on your bench. Like, I'm giving up on some of these guys. I'm giving up on Anthony Rendon coming back anytime soon. He may not come back at all. Trout may not come back. Uh, we'll get to DeGrom and Tatis in a second. Like, there's a lot of injuries here, but Bellinger's clearly hurt. So my question for you would be, next season, for everybody in dynasty formats, do you think Cody Bellinger goes back to being a 35-homer guy who hits for a decent batting average, or are we already seen his best? It's so hard to know, right? Even his MVP year was kind of a straight downward trajectory, right? He That April he had was unbelievable. May was unbelievable. He was still great in August and September, but those first two months carried that year. So now we're looking at, you know, okay, 2020, it was easy to just throw that out, out you know, with the bathwater. But this year coming off the shoulder surgery, man, I, it's, I don't know. I, you know, top 100 next year, Probably, but you know, do you want to gamble on him high in a draft first few rounds? No way. No way. I would say him, and I'm I'm worried about Yelich as well, and yep. you know, some of these guys just like repeated injuries. Uh, so speaking of injuries, Jacob Degrom. It sounds like the Mets are not expecting him to pitch in August. Yeah. Um, this is a is forearm forearm inflammation here. They made the trade um, to get um, who did they get? Um, the Mets. I mean, I just, they got just, Rich Hill, and then they got Trevor Williams. Yeah, then they got somebody else that's important. Um, they got Carrasco back, so it wasn't Carrasco a trade. Back, so Carrasco back. came back this weekend and pitched four effective innings. He gives up a home run to India on the first pitch of the game, and then he goes through four innings fine, and they'll extend him out to closer to 100 pitches. But I wonder if we we might have seen the end of DeGrom for this season. So, But the Mets didn't really make any other moves as if they thought he was done. So what's your take on this situation? Because he's not going to qualify for the ERA title now. So there's no record here like Bob Gibson. What are your expectations? Yeah, I mean, you know, so what they say Friday, he's not going to throw for two weeks. So we're not going to have any update here for a couple weeks. If all goes well and he throws, well, then they still (laughs) got to stretch him out. You know, so that's why we're saying there's a September timeline before he pitches again but it's too hard to speculate right I mean I get if I have him rostered yeah I'm keeping him because he could come back in September and give you five great starts Um, but is that guaranteed absolutely not and Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Padres who's the number so DeGrom is number six on the season player rater he's the number one pure starting pitcher obviously Otani's different Uh, Tatis is number one for the season by a lot and that's the third dislocated shoulder he's had this season. That same shoulder. Obviously, it needs surgery. The question is, does he put it off until late October after the Padres are done for the season or November? They could win it all. So I, I, from a fantasy aspect, obviously, you keep him around. But I would not trade for Tatis anymore. I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, look, they say they're going to evaluate end of this week. He might right. be back next week. I bet he's back. I bet he just forces his way back, right? Like last time. But you have to be concerned here. Yeah, you know, and Jace Tingler, the manager, that's what he said. We'll evaluate him in 10 days, you know. And when the manager's saying surgery is possible, you know, usually managers don't like to say anything, right? Um, so the fact that they're even bringing this up suggests 
it is a possibility. Um, again, we're not surgeons here. <laughs> we're not doctors. Um, it's going to come down to, can he fight through the rest of the season? And then almost, you know, certainly it sounds like surgery after the season. Can he play through it? We'll know more in 10 days. Right. And at some point we're going to have to get Stefania Bell on here to talk about this because Tatis would be my number one pick for 2022. Yeah. Assuming he has either surgery this month or in October or November, that could affect power for next season. So I want to get her opinion on that. I can't speculate. Speaking of power, Dave, I know you know Joey Votto really well. What's your opinion on what he just did over the past week or so? Because basically he told reporters, I just decided to hit for power. So I'm going to hit for power. And he's not young and he hasn't hit for power in recent seasons. And then he just went and did it. What do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, look, one of my all-time favorites. So as a fan, it was great to see just miss tying the record with eight home runs and, uh, you know, home runs eight games in a row. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we've heard a lot of comments from Joey Votto as he's gone downhill the last couple of years. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And nothing's worked. He's continued to look like a guy who's getting old and then boom, out of nowhere, he has this two-week stretch. And really, it's been going on for a couple months now where he's been hitting well. So maybe he finally has made some adjustments. I should be looking at the numbers. I'd be curious to see how he's doing against fastballs. Is you know, has he figured out how to catch up to velocity, you know, that he had struggled with the last couple of years? I'm sure Tristan, if he was here, would have the numbers all in front of him. But I'm buying a little that he's made some adjustments. I mean, I see some some interesting things here in his numbers. Basically, 10 of his 21 home runs for the season have come in the last two weeks. That's yeah. very interesting. He wasn't exactly facing aces. He faced the Cubs mostly. So that's part of this. He's not hitting lefties at all. He's slugging 333, 613 OPS. So all of this is coming against right-handed pitching. He's basically Jesse Winker now, uh, a walker who can only hit righties. Um, but I'm not going to assume that this continues. So I would be a little bit wary. Obviously, Adam in leagues where he's available, but trading for Votto, expecting another 15 home runs the rest of the season, I'm just not going to do it. No, I'll I say, I'll do say that, 10. But I mean, if you, I would expect his season line is reasonable. 2021, he's hitting 337, slugging 722 against fastballs. Last year, he only hit 261 against fastballs. So, yeah, I get it. He's beat up on some bad Cubs pitching. Um, but you know, that power has returned against fastballs. He's seeking them out. Now his numbers against breaking balls are, are terrible. So he's obviously, to me, it looks like he's guessing a lot and it's paying off, but I think he'll be productive the rest of the way. Yeah. I mean, walk rate down, strikeout rate is a career yep. high. So you, you can see what he's doing. He's selling out for power. He's not yep. the only guy in baseball doing that. Lots of players sell out for power, but I don't know why he's doing it now. Cause it's not like he's got another big contract coming, but good for him. I think it's interesting. Um, all right. Let's move on from that. Um, I'm not going to make you sing. It's time for the combo meals. And these players were making moves last week. And making moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. There were three combo meals since our last show. Bo Bichette of Toronto. That was his third of the season. Rafael Ortega, who had quite a weekend, Dave. A lot of power on Sunday from Rafael Ortega. Who knew? And then on Sunday, former Phillies great Darren Ruff, who's essentially their everyday first baseman until Brandon Bell comes back. I, I don't know if, if that's his first career combo meal, but I always loved Darren Ruff, an overachiever, and everybody thought, oh, Reese Hoskins is so much better than Darren Ruff. Maybe not so much, everyone. You, you know? know, 
Hey, Eric, I mean, I've been in enough fantasy leagues with you that you have always been great at finding the Darren Ruffs of the world. And in a different universe, Darren Ruff is had a better career than Reese Hoskins because if he had just ever gotten that opportunity from the get-go to play every day, he might have been a really good power hitter. It, but some guys don't get the breaks or they don't hit that first time up and never get another chance. But he's always put up the numbers in the minors. He had some monster minor league years. And by the way, Hoskins is batting 240 with a 329 on base percentage. So that's not very good. And against right-handed pitching, 778 OPS, no contact, 11% walk rate. I bet Darren Ruffs is not that high, but you know, I'm, I'm not saying who's better in fantasy. Obviously, you roster Hoskins. Uh, but Darren Ruff is having a nice season. Look at this. Higher OPS. He's killing lefties. I love Darren Ruff, and he's a fifteen point seven percent walk rate. Look at that, fifteen percent walk rate for Darren Ruff. How do the Giants divvy up all that playing times? I think Belt is due back soon, right? You know, and he he was a great year. You could put, you have to play Darren Ruff against lefties. The thing about the Giants is, what a bench, right? I mean, they pick up Chris Bryant. He'll play every day somewhere, probably third base, I would imagine. But you know, they've got Yaz in the outfield. They, they could, you know, rough and rough could play left if they had to. They they have a very good bench. You know, you, Gabe Kapler in Philadelphia was like Terry Francona in Philadelphia. It went poorly. And then he leaves and you see, you know what? Maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was the roster construction. Maybe it was the other coaches. Maybe the players were overrated. Gabe Kapler's doing a great job with this bullpen, this lineup. I'm rooting for them. You know, like yeah. my team's not making the playoffs. So. No, I want to do a story on like the biggest miracle teams of, of all time. Because if you did like a comparison position versus position to the Dodgers at the start of the year, I bet the Dodgers would have won every position. But here they are. The Giants are in first place. Yeah, rough. Look, rough. You're right. He's going to platoon with Belt. Longoria was having a good year as well. He's supposed to be back soon. So maybe Chris Bryant plays left field or they just, oh, just mix and match, you know? So you got to look so at Rafael Ortega hit three home runs on Sunday. <laughs> Obviously he's going to be added in a lot of leagues today. Um, he's batting 319 after 50 games, but he's a journeyman guy. He's 30 years old. I mean, the Cubs will play him. They, they have to yeah. play somebody. Got to play somebody. <laughs> got to play somebody. The Cubs and the Nationals just, Dealt everybody away, everybody. And those lineups, man, they are not even remotely the same. And now Nico Horner is not even active for the Cubs. So it's like, I don't even know how they have a full roster. Um, Nationals are going to give Carter Keboom a chance at third base. You know what? He doesn't look like he can hit, but I want to see it. They play the Phillies this week. So I'll be watching with the, you know, with mute on. And, um, you know, it's just, some of these teams, man, bad offenses. I think that's the trivia question a little bit later on as well. Uh, moving on from the combo meals, it's the close of carousel. Again, no singing here. What is my take on the White Sox is this, and you tell me if you think it's crazy. I, I, I think it's going to be like Cleveland, where Karinchak and Clause, basically one day one guy gets the eighth, and the next day it's the ninth. They don't want to tire either one of them out. They're both young arms. Now, these two White Sox are both older arms. I think it's going to be somewhat similar. They both can set up. You know That, that way, they don't have to use both the same day. So I will pull, I will project this, and maybe I'll write this in the blog tomorrow. So say Hendricks was going to get 15 saves the rest of the season. I'll say he gets 10 now, and Kimbrell gets eight. That's what I'll say. And But you keep Kimbrell rostered in the ESPN League for that. Do you agree? Yeah, and that's 
what it sounded like LaRusso La was saying. He didn't declare a closer, but what he said is basically, I'm going to go to these two guys before the game and say, here's your role. And reading between the lines, it probably means not a lot of back-to-back appearances. Now, they both pitched yesterday. Kimbrell pitched the eighth. Hendricks pitched the ninth. It wasn't a save situation. It was a tie game. Hendricks pitched the ninth and got the two, three, and four hitters on Cleveland and got the win. Um, so if you want to read into one game, that might suggest Hendricks has a slight edge as the guy to get more save chances, you know, but Kimbrell's still going to get some. And um, Hendricks has given up a lot of home runs. So I don't know if it would – would it shock you, though, if Kimbrell – by the end of September is full time in that role. That's to me, the question mark. It would. I, I think they split it. Yeah. Um, I think they want to be a little bit more loyal to Hendricks who they yeah. have signed for the next couple of years. Kimball's a free agent, so he's not going to complain. So I think Hendricks gets more. It would surprise me if Hendricks is, is only the setup man. That would surprise me. Um, yeah. So, but if you've got Kimball in your league, I would keep him. I would not d- dump him. Because there's still half the teams in baseball where you don't even look at their closer, Arizona and Texas now. Um, so uh, what about Seattle? So Diego Castillo was acquired. And you can make the case that he's as good as Graveman. Graveman, is, Graveman was having a, a great ERA season, but not a ton of strikeouts. And you never know. They're volatile from, two, from month to month, from week to week, from day to day. So what do you think the Mariners are doing now? Do you think it's going to be Castillo all the time or Paul Seawald might get some? Yeah, because Seawold, another guy that had come out of nowhere to pitch great and was getting some save chances even when Graveman was there. Castillo got the first chance on Saturday, his first game with the team. Um, Or I guess he got the save on Friday. And then, or he, well, it was a four run game. He didn't get a save. Then he pitched again on Saturday and got the loss. So they didn't use him yesterday. And Eric Swanson blew the game in the ninth inning. Um, I think it's still Castillo. You know, but it, it could be a similar thing where where Seawald still gets a, a, a few saves here and there, but the indications are Castillo will, will be the guy. So Seawald is actually having the superior season to Graveman. Most people don't realize that because they only look at ERA, but if you look at all the other factors and FIP and K rate, Seawald's having the better year. In fantasy, if you had to roster one in a mixed league, and right now right, you don't have to roster either in a mixed league, Seawald or Graveman, who would you rather roster? I'll go. I go Seawall because I don't see Graveman getting any saves in Houston. Yeah. Presley's going to be the closer. Um, yeah, and then Seawall. I mean, he, he he throws a slider every pitch, and it's working somehow. Uh, he's he'll get a few saves for Seattle, so I think he's worth rostering. All right. Um, other situations here. I'll just go briefly here. Kyle Finnegan looks like the Washington closer. I would add him. Um, I think he's going to get some saves. It doesn't look like there's any competition there. I think it's all Finnegan. It looks like Brad Hand is the setup man for Jordan Romano. I don't think that's a timeshare. I'm avoiding Texas. Maybe it's Spencer Patton. Uh, Matt Whistler got the save for Tampa yesterday. Until Nick Anderson comes back, I think Andrew Kittredge gets more saves than Whistler. I don't know if Anderson's coming back. They say he's coming back soon, but he's not going to go right into the role. Um, Moving along. Pittsburgh, by the way, Chris Stratton was the guy who was going to get that save the other night, not David Bednar. So if you're all adding Bednar, he might become the closer soon, but I'd be careful here. I think it might be Stratton. Ian Kennedy clearly in Philadelphia. 
and Ranger Suarez goes from the closer to starting rotation right away. They have no idea what they're doing in Philadelphia. Like, <laughs> you should write about that. They just have no clue what they're doing with these players. And then on the way out the door, Spencer Howard is like, yeah, they don't have any idea what they're doing. Kingry, same thing. They, they just, they don't know. But, you know, I watch. It's entertainment. Sometimes it's entertainment. Um, <laughs> what are, any, Heath Henry, you like him? I can't believe we're still talking about him, but he's still their closer for the Reds. And they're in the uh, race. They're only three games behind the Padres. I love listening to you and Tristan and, you know, and hearing Heath Henry's name come up almost every every episode because he's not a good pitcher, but he's going to get some <laughs> saves. I guess that's is that the nicest way to put it? <laughs> I think that's a perfect way to put it. He's not exactly great. Neither is Cole Sulcer or Tyler Clippard, but they're all closers now. I mean, um, as, a, as a fantasy player, and you guys, I remember back in spring training, you guys harped on this, that it was no way to predict what was going to happen with closers this year. And that's exactly the way it's played out. You know, it it's just so hard to predict anymore. And I don't see teams, what the advantage is to – you know, pulling a guy after one blown save, but that's kind of seems to be the way they're doing it these days. Uh, taking a look at the schedule here for the next couple of days, you can see Ranger Suarez on your <laughs> television or wherever you stream on ESPN against new national Josiah Gray. How about that matchup? That's interesting. Suarez isn't going five innings, so don't don't use him here in this game against the Nationals. He's going to be like on a 50-pitch count, and then they'll bring in somebody to blow it like Velasquez. But Josiah Gray... It's going to be very interesting. I didn't think Washington was going to put him right into the rotation, but I don't think they have enough pitchers. Um, so Josiah Gray will start tonight. Andrew Heaney makes his debut for the Yankees against Baltimore, and that's not a good Baltimore lineup. You like Andrew Heaney in Yankee Stadium? His, his supporting numbers are better than his ERA right. Yeah, you know, right. His FIP is, you know, what? I think right around At four. least a run lower. Yeah, yeah, it's at least a run run lower. He's not necessarily going to a better defensive team so I don't know if it was bad luck you know or bad pitching you know with his high BABIP I think he should pitch better than a 5270 RA as FIP is 4.04 but now yeah. he's got Glaber Torres at shortstop you've got Glaber in a sim league I'm sure you're very excited uh, about his season for next year I'm sure um, I sent you guys a text or two about him this year yeah that's not going well slugging 350 good luck uh, Tuesday slate. Oh, more Phillies and Nationals. Zach Wheeler and Patrick Corbin. You don't want Patrick Corbin. That's on ESPN Plus, so you can watch that. No day games on Tuesday. Um, Garrett Richards at Detroit. Ordinarily, I would say yes, but the Tigers are hitting, and Garrett Richards has been pretty bad since the uh, the crackdown on uh, illegal substances or whatever they were calling it. So I would not pick up Garrett Richards here. Um, Max Kranick, no. I'm going to say no to that. <laughs> Um, oh, I wanted to ask you this. I've been wanting to ask you this for a little while. Your thoughts on Blake Snell. He's he's on he's pitching at Oakland on Tuesday. So it's a good offensive team, but it's not in San Diego. He has extreme home road splits. And frankly, every outing seems to me to be like four innings. He's really overrated in fantasy. I think he's maybe the most overrated fantasy pitcher out there. What are your thoughts on Blake Snell? Yeah, I mean it's August 2nd, and he hasn't figured things out. So why do we expect him to to suddenly look like the Blake Snell of 2018? You know, I don't see any signs. So no, Four I'm not starting. 19 him. starts. I'm not starting him anymore at all. Now the home numbers a lot better. 2.81 ERA at home with a major strikeout rate uh, on the road. 2.02 WHIP. You can't start him on the road, and even at home, I'm like, he doesn't win. Doesn't go deep in the games. I don't. I don't see the fascination anymore. 
Uh, Taiwan Walker, that'll be interesting. He's struggled of late. He's at Miami. Yeah. Maybe things will be well because it's Miami. But, man, he's looked bad over the past month. Um, Wednesday, lots of day ball. So get your lineups in early. There is a night game. Drew Smiley, who you know well, against Jay Happ. The Cardinals are no longer hapless. Well, he's not good, but still. <laughs> um, and Scherzer's debut against Houston. Wow, that'll be fun against Jake Odorizzi. Um, I will watch that one instead of whatever the Phillies are doing. Um, Pins Velasquez again. Okay. Um, Matt Harvey at Yankee Stadium. I don't see p- what possibly could go wrong there. Um, <laughs> be, be careful of Freddie Peralta. They're keeping him, they're putting his innings down now. It's like four innings per start, but they're good innings, unlike Blake Snell. So, uh, oh, you're Logan. What are your feelings on Logan Gilbert? Because he's looked really good over the past six weeks. He looks like a, I don't want to say he's a top 20 starting pitcher in 2022, but he's on that path. He looks good. He's a strikeout guy. Yeah, no, he, you know, his velocity doesn't dominate by blowing guys away, but throw strikes. He's got the full repertoire of pitches. He seems to know what he's doing. Throw strikes, you know, yeah. Top 20, that's a little aggressive for sure. Um, but he's a good, a good young starter. And good for you. You know, yeah. Spencer Howard blew up and we traded him away, but you've got Logan Gilbert and other good young arms that are coming up. I think Seattle is closer I think the Phillies might be closer to making the playoffs, but Seattle is closer to having an extended run of years where they contend. I could see that. That's a good young team. I mean, Kelnick is going to be fine. What is, what is your take on Kelnick? I mean, you you sent us text a, a week ago saying I'm giving up on him, but I don't believe that's true, right? Well, no, I'm not. No, I was no. You weren't I happy, on him. but you know, I do think we need to reevaluate his ceiling. He really struggles to see breaking balls. And that's what I wonder if the hit tool is really going to be as good as all the scouts projected. Um, You know, the tools are there, of course. You know, he still looks pretty confident and aggressive up there, but so much swing and miss. And, I, hey, I told you guys early in the year I made the Jay Bruce comp, and that's kind of what I think he might be, which is a power over hit. And that's still a good player but I don't think that's the superstar Mariner fans are expecting, but I just don't know if there's, I don't think he's going to be a high average hitter. Kyle's always a high average hitter. Time to get him in now. It's (laughs) trivia and hash Browns time. Kyle, what say you? I do appreciate that. I could hit for a decent average. Not much pop in my bat. I think I've probably profiled pretty similar to you, Eric. Very nice. I had a terrible softball season offensively, but defensively I was really good. Lots of diving catches, but I, I, my power is just gone, Dave. You know, not, never, not that I ever had power, but it's really gone. I retired gone now. years ago, so at least you're out there. I'm out Didn't there. I shouldn't be. You know, I shouldn't be, Dave. You were there that night. It was your pitch that Don't broke me. me. Don't blame me. It's all your fault. Well, Dre's had no range. Anyway, Kyle, <laughs> I tried to catch a ball that the second baseman should have caught. A pop up the second base, and I it was in my glove. Kyle, please mm. we stop talking. No. Sorry about Tyler Chatwood, Kyle. I mean, that yeah. was inevitable. He couldn't stop walking people. I know you're upset, but yeah. you'll get over it, right? I mean, it's football season now for you. I'm going to try. I've, I mean, Tristan Sun in our group chat. And then I got like six tweets about it within like a half hour. Like the brand, is, if nothing else, is strong. But yeah, that was tough to see. He had his <laughs> moments for like two weeks last season, so that was a uh, that was a thing. You got to save. Good. You got to save this year, so you win the over under. <laughs> I think he said it at three and a half, so I think the under's still looking pretty good. But 
Anyway, we got trivia for today. We'll get to chat with more, you know, when he reemerges as an asset no, somewhere. We sometime. won't. We won't get to. I'm sure it'll be brought up it's at some over. point. It's over. Give up. Through the deadline day, the Yankees had the second worst OPS from the top half of their lineup among winning teams. Who was worse? And obviously, the Yankees revamped the top half of their lineup since. So, who is the winning team that was worse? We'll get to that after these hash browns. First ones from Ross. Wants to know if there's any prospects that were dealt at the deadline that are going to help us down the stretch this season. Well, Josiah Gray is in Washington's rotation. So that's one. Um, You know, a bunch of the, I can't believe the prospects that were traded on Friday, Dave. I mean, Nick Madrigal was a top pick just a couple of years ago. The Mets sent out Crow Armstrong. Um, I can't believe Austin Martin, the Vanderbilt kid, like, he was just drafted a year ago, yeah, and he's it's, already it's, traded. And somebody yeah. was the best talent in the draft. He went fifth. Yeah, that was the big name that I was surprised. Simeon Woods Richardson's a top one hundred guy. He's on the Olympic team. He was in that that same trade. You know, I watched the Olympic game today against Japan, um, and it's really interesting the kind of team they have because they have a bunch of prospects like Tristan Casas, the Boston first baseman slugged an opposite field three run Homer. And I was thinking, you know, if they hadn't traded for Schwarber, Casas could be up after the Olympics and bashing batting six or seven. Tristan Casas looks like a 30 home run guy. And unlike Bobby Dahlbeck looks like he'll hit for a decent, not decent average, but like 250, 260. Yeah. But I don't think he's coming up now. So that's no, I don't guy. think he's on the forty man. So they're they're going to wait until next year with him. They have David Robertson was a setup guy, and you know he's not he doesn't have a job on a team. But and then and then Mike Sosha brings in Edwin Jackson to lose the game in extra innings. Like what did you think was going to happen there? So now they can't win. Well, I guess they could win the gold still. But uh, uh, prospects that were traded Friday, I don't see like. I think Gray, I think Kybert Ruiz, who also came in the Trey Turner Scherzer deal, is Washington's catcher in September, maybe sharing with Trey Barrera, but I'm trying to think of anybody else who's going to I want to ask you about a guy, because this is the kind of player you love. Okay. So after the Astros traded Miles Straw, yeah, are they going to call up this Jake Myers kid from AAA? He has an OPS over 1,000. Should. I mean, Miles Straw, Miles Straw, by the way, had some of the best defensive metrics in center field of anybody right now, and they just dumped him. Yeah, I don't know why. That, that was the weirdest trade I thought of the day. Why are you trading your starting center fielder? When I thought Diego Castillo was the weirdest trade, but yes, that was second weirdest. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, I I if you're in an AL-only league, keep, well, keep an eye on Jake Myers. He can hit. Not sure if he's going to get a chance to play or 16 not. home runs and 10 stolen bases in 68 yeah. games at AAA Sugarland. So there's obviously a five-tool guy lurking there. They played Chaz McCormick over the weekend in center, but you're right. Jake Myers is a guy, and it's not a big strikeout guy either. So it's really interesting. But, yeah, that's what kind of jumps out to me. I don't want to – most rookies are not going to contribute this year. Bad teams would wait till next year, and good teams don't have any room. So, I mean, maybe I'm forgetting somebody, and I'll just, we'll talk about it Thursday, but I don't see anybody else. What's next, Kyle? I tend to agree with that. Mike wants to know if Luis Patino is already the most valuable part of the Blake Snell trade. He's a lot better than, <laughs> he's a lot better than Snell. I think I wrote – I don't want to say for sure. I thought I wrote in a bold prediction column back in March that Patino would have the better year than Snell, but I didn't think Snell would be this bad. But Patino's barely pitched. It's only 30 innings, but numbers are certainly better than Snell's. I don't know if you can trust him in fantasy, though. That was a great outing against the Yankees, but before that, he had three rough outings. So what are your 
thoughts on Patino here? Is this a guy you can trust? Right, he's twenty one years old. Yeah, he's still young. Um, I think in the minors he still has a big platoon split because he's still kind of just a fastball slider guy, I believe. Um, I have him in one of our sim leagues, so I'm high on him. They were certainly monitoring his innings early on. So now, you know, after they traded away Rich Hill, you know, there's a slot in that rotation. So I think he's going to finally get a regular turn, you know, down the stretch here. But yeah, a little roll of the dice if you want to add him in fantasy. I, I think you can make the case that Shane Baz, who started that game for the U.S. Olympic team today, will be better than Patino down the stretch. I, I believe Baz will be up with the Rays in two weeks. And I think he's going to be really good. A major strikeout guy. He looks more mature than Patino right now. So that's a guy to pick up is Shane Baz. And by the way, Dave, all our sim leagues are dying at the end of the season. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you that. But breaking news, that could happen. All right, Kyle. Ryan's got an interesting question. He wants to know how your ranks of the Brewers trio of starting pitchers has changed as we come down the stretch here and they're being limited a little bit. Yeah, and they have not pitched well. I don't know if you've noticed that. Now, I, th- I think the NL Central race is just like the AL Central. It's over. But I know get Yelich back. But Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and where's Peralta? There's Peralta, who's been limited on pitch counts. They have not pitched as well of late. How do you rank these guys? Are these aces, all three of them? They're all all-stars. Well, no, Peralta, I don't – well, he's still high on the player rater, isn't he, overall? He's very high. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm going to go to it right now and see. I think they're all top 20. I mean, it's a huge strikeout rate. Um, so even in – it's like four innings now, seven or eight strikeouts still. It's amazing. What yeah, I mean, Peralta's 18th on the player rater. Wow. Among, that's among all players, not just pitchers. Woodruff is 14th. Burns Peralta, like- among, among starting pitcher eligibles, is six. And now, because Burns and Woodruff have struggled of late, they've fallen behind him. Who would you take in a dynasty format for for the rest of their for the next couple of years? Would you take Peralta? No, uh, well, I, I'm still going Woodruff. I mean, Peralta. It's hard to know, right? What what's his upside in innings? Because they are so careful with him. Um, so I got to go Woodruff, Burns, Peralta. You know, which is probably how you would rank him this year. But who knows? Maybe Peralta, as he you know gets more years and as a starter, can start going six and seven on a regular basis. Fair enough. I don't know. I just have my doubts. He doesn't have the you know he's basically turned into what fastball slider guy this year with that new slider. Yeah, and if they you know Milwaukee will be in the playoffs, that's a that's a Nationals look there with three amazing starting pitchers and the yep. bullpen of Devin Williams and Hayter. That's a team that can win the World Series if they just hit it all. With Willie Adamas, yeah. you know, like, where did that come from? Couldn't hit in Tampa, and now he's a monster. Um, all right, Kyle, what's next? Last one comes from Dave, and it's keeping with the Brewer theme here. He notes Tristan's got Yelich at 20 overall in his dynasty ranks. Wants to know if that's too high, too low, or just about right. Um, Man, I- I'm rethinking this. Uh, he's on the COVID list, so I remarked that maybe 10 days off would help his back injury because clearly when you watch him hit, he can't drive the ball. He's drawing a ton of walks. It's a high on base percentage, but six home runs is not getting it done in 67 games. But two years ago, he had 44. So do you see him like Bellinger? He just needs an offseason to get healthy, or are we already seeing the best out of Yelich? Yeah, it's a great question for Stefania. What's the you know more severe long-term issue here, the back or the shoulder? I mean, yeah, look, Yelich's average exit velocity – 
90.3. You know, now look what it was in previous years, 94, 93. He was elite, elite in exit velocity. Not there this year. Clearly, we can only assume it's it's the back. I don't know. Back injuries, you don't just fix overnight. I would take Yelich over Bellinger for next year. Um, I'm going to throw out everything that happened with both of them this year to some degree. But I think Yelich has the better shot of returning to prominence. But I don't know. I don't know if I could rank him number twenty. That's, I mean, he's twenty nine, so he'll be he'll be thirty next year. So he's also starting to okay, getting a little older, anyways. But he's a better hitter than Bellinger, right? He's definitely a better hitter, um, and he can steal bases. So I would I will go with him. Um, he you know it's a high on base percentage, but man, I it's a shame. A lot of these guys just broke down. You know, so I don't know if it had to do with I mean, last year. We talked about where he plays Bellinger. I mean, Yelich, we're probably not going to have any new information right. going into next year, right? Other than we think he had a back issue, you know, unless we learn he has surgery or something. But, you know. Uh, but you play him. I mean, right now they're outfield bats six, seven, eight. You know, it's Kane, obviously El Garcia, and Jackie Bradley. It's good defensively, two of them. But, I mean, Yelich will play when he comes off. When, he, when Yelich is healthy, when he comes off the COVID list this week, He'll probably play left field. I'm, I'm hoping, but I want to, you know, and the lineup, it's weird. Adamas and Escobar are batting like second and fourth right now. And Omar yeah. Navias has been hitting third. They really need Yelich to hit, but they can also cruise to the division title. So, you know, why would they rush Yelich back if he's not 100%? They can afford to do that. The White Sox are rushing back. They already have Eloy Jimenez back, and now he's a groin injury. And Luis Robert is coming off the injury list this week. He's been on the rehab for over a week now. It seems like the White Sox are rushing these guys back, but. The American League Central is pretty much wrapped up. I mean, the other team's sold. So I'm surprised at that. Why don't give Robert yeah, as much time as he, he needs? No, but you want to get these guys playing time too before the playoffs. Well, you got eight well, weeks. Well, I know, <laughs> but how, how many at-bats do you want? You know, if you play them a month, I guess a month should be enough, but then you're facing September pitching, which isn't necessarily the best test. So – be careful. Yeah. All right. Um, Kyle, what was that trivia again? Trivia. At the day of the deadline, the Yankees had the second worst team OPS from the front half of their batting order. Obviously added Rizzo and Gallo to improve that, so hopefully that won't be the case in the second half. But who is the one winning team that had a worse OPS prior to the deadline than the Yankees? For reference, the Yankees ranked 25th in baseball at that time. Okay, so I'm thinking of a team with more wins and losses, which could be, you know, a team that's, you know, 53 and 52. It could be the Cardinals. Um, it could be Seattle. It's not Seattle. Hanniger and Crawford have been good. I mean, Torres and LeMayu, no power at all. Just none. But, Dave, you have a guess here? You get, you're the guest, so I'll give you the first one. I got to go Seattle because <laughs> I know their offense overall stinks. Finally, Eric doesn't get it right because – Dave got it right. The Mariners, for our <laughs> Mariners fan, is the correct answer. They ranked 26th at 731. The Yankees, 734. The Mets were next worst, 730. Remember, Eric, like Evan White started the year as our cleanup hitter, I think. so. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just thinking of like the top two guys in the lineup, but yes. Okay. After no, Crawford Steve, and Hanniger. He's been there all year. His OPS is, you know, barely over 700. That's why you say the Mariners are close. Uh, I don't know. I should have guessed that because Dave was on the show, it was going to be the Mariners. It couldn't be the Phillies. There's always a part there. Well, the Phillies don't win enough. (sighs) Thank you. Thank you. Finally, some truth. Where do you think the Phillies rank at at this time for this stat? 
Well, Harper's having a great year. I mean, yeah, nobody likes Harper, problem. but that's a 900 OPS. And Gene Segura is having a great year. He might win the batting title. It's not their fault. You know, they didn't put this this mess together. Twelve. Um, that was right ahead of the Cubs when the Cubs had everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, but you know, Milwaukee hasn't been great from the top of the lineup. I mean, their their whole lineup hasn't been great. So you could do a you could go Tampa Bay. Brandon Lau leading off. That, he's not having a great year. So. It's interesting. A lot of these playoff teams, I mean, they can't possibly match the Dodgers lineup or Houston. Houston has by far the best lineup and they haven't had Alex Bregman for like last six weeks and Bregman could be back this week. So that's something to watch there. All right. So Dave, you're back on Thursday. So we'll get your world series prediction then. So that's something to prepare for. But, um, you know, I think you can go a lot of ways with this. I mean, I've been pumping up Milwaukee and the White Sox on this show, but you know, it may not be the Dodgers. Look, This has nothing to do with fantasy. So I apologize, but the one thing the trade deadline did is in the National League, where you got all the teams fighting in the East, you got the West teams fighting for the division title, then you got all those teams in the AL fighting for both, you know, a division or a wild card. So the last two months are going to be great. But the playoffs, whoever gets in, any of the 10 teams that make the playoffs, I think you can legitimately say they have a chance to win. Right, yes. which you, yeah, can't you can't normally say. I, I love that all the teams went in and got better. We we don't usually see that. No, I agree with you, and maybe that was fantasy relevant because you know teams in the periphery are trying to win, which I think is a good thing. We know that the, the contending, t- contending teams are, so I think that's a good thing. We we want our players to play, and then you know the teams that that sold, we'll see who they bring up. Like Owen Miller of Cleveland, he's their second baseman now. I want to see what he does. You know, the White Sox, I want to see what Nico Horner does. Is Nico Horner a building block player in fantasy? Not a lot of power or speed, but I still want to see it, you know, in Keyboom and Luis Garcia, the Nationals. Let them play. Let's see what happens. So anyway, Dave, thank you so much for joining us on today's Fantasy Focus Baseball. He will be back on Thursday. Thanks always to Kyle Sapi doing a great job. Fantasy Focus Baseball is presented by LinkedIn Jobs. All right. Back to the hammock for me. Dave's going to go cut his own hair. Have an awesome week. We'll talk to you Thursday.